The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast, where this week we are chatting to David O'Sullivan, who is the captain of the Barrier Row team, who recently won their first ever Carberry Junior A football title following a brilliant win after extra time in a tight game against Kill Maccabee. The men in blue didn't have long to celebrate after their victory because they were back out at the weekend in the Bon Secours Junior A Championship where they unfortunately lost to Castle Magner. But despite that, David is in great form when speaking to us today to reflect on their historic victory a couple of weekends ago. I'm your host, Dylan Mangan, and I'm joined today by Star Sport editor, Kieran McCarthy. The Star Sport podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union where your bank really does matter. Choose credit union, choose local, choose community. Now we'll get to our chat with David in a while, but first, Kieran, we've had a lot of GAA on the podcast over the last few weeks, and don't worry, Newsestown and Donnie's fans, we'll get to ye in a while, but we want to start this week with some news that was kind of flown a little bit under the radar recently, and that is the fact that the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, has decided to drop lightweight rowing from the Olympic program after Paris 2024 in, Kieran, I guess what is a disappointing but not surprising move? That's probably the best way to, to describe it, Dylan. Uh, dis, uh, disappointing but not surprising. So this has been the offing for some time now, to be honest, um, that lightweight rowing would be dropped from the Olympic schedule. And the news was, was confirmed there in the last few weeks. And you're right, it has sailed under the radar a bit, which is quite surprising when you consider just how successful Irish lightweight rowers have been at recent Olympic Games. And you can actually narrow that down how successful Skibbereen's lightweight rowings, rowers have been at Olympic level in the last couple of years. Go back to 2016, where Gary and Paula Donovan became the first Irish rowers ever to win an Olympic um, rowing medal. They won silver in the lightweight men's uh, double skulls. And then in Tokyo, just two short summers ago, um, Paul McCart- Paul O'Donovan and Fint McCarthy went one better with Ireland's first ever rowing gold medal. And again, it was in that lightweight men's double. So the lightweight, the lightweight category has been very successful for Ireland at Olympic level. But now the lightweight double or the lightweight rowing is gone. It's been dropped. It's been axed after the next Olympics. So Paris 2024 is the swan song for for, for lightweights, so I suppose just to explain to our listeners, when it comes to, to rowing, you've lightweight and then you've heavyweight, which is an open weight. But when it comes to lightweight, um, I think the kind of the clue is in the name. It's for lighter athletes, kind of smaller smaller athletes, if, if you want to call them that, because um, lightweight at- athletes, they, they have to weigh in before races. So if it's uh, if it's a, a men's crew, there's a certain um, weight uh, um, that they can't go over. I think it's 70 kgs um, across the two athletes, whereas with the, 
with the, the women lightweights. I think it's 57 kgs, but I'm, I'm open to swap with a correction on that. Whereas with heavyweight rowers, you can be any size whatsoever. So lightweight rowing was brought in to make the sport more inclusive all those years ago. So you don't have to be six foot four and built like a tank, you know. You know um, so lightweights had their had their section and, and had their category. And lightweight rowing has been an Olympic sport since 1996. But now the, the IOC have made that decision to remove it from the Olympic schedule post Paris next year. And it's going to be replaced in a way by beach sprint rowing, which is going to come in for the LA Games in 2028. And this is a format of coastal rowing. And this is actually something we'll talk about more in the on this podcast in the weeks ahead, just to kind of bring our listeners up to speed what, what, with what exactly beach sprint rowing is. But just on the demise of lightweight rowing, yeah, it's it's a dis- disappointing development. And I have an interview with Fintan McCarthy in Thursday's Southern Star when he's saying just as much. He knew this was coming, but still it stings. It still hurts that lightweight rowing would be dropped from, from the Olympics because... He's going to have a choice to make now. And all the lightweights will have a choice to make post-Paris. Do they try and go heavyweight and ca- compete against the, the bigger athletes who are genetically bigger? Just um, Or do they decide to switch to something like the beach bent rowing if they want to continue in the Olympics? So that's a that's a decision for, for another day. But um, just also, Dylan, um, just to point out for Skibbereen Rowing Club, they put up a tweet um, when this news came out and they said a sad day for lightweight rowing and it really is because Skibbereen Rowing Club is the most successful rowing club in this country it's it's uh, it's the nursery for some of the finest and best rowers this country has ever produced and you go back to Eugene Coakley and um, Timmy Harnley in Athens in 2004 you Richard Coakley in Beijing 2008 obviously Gary and Paul in in Rio in 2016, then you'd, you'd Paul Finton in Tokyo a few years back. You'd also Aoife Casey, the club's first, first ever um, women's lightweight Olympian, and Lydia Heafy went to the sub as well. So as you can see, this club has been so successful at getting athletes to that level, all at lightweight. But now it's the, after Paris, it's going to be the end of an era. And, in the, and it's um, one of Ireland's almost guaranteed medal halls at the Olympics in recent years. It's gone. Yeah, I guess those are the kind of two um kind of two strands to it, like you say, is one is the participation and two is the the Olympic medals that Ireland especially and Skibbereen especially um get. But like just to just on the the kind of participation, I was reading an interview with Dennis Oswald, who was the president of uh, Rowings International Federation. He stepped down in 2014 and he was asked what his proudest achievement was. And he said that um, the development and increase in the number of national federations in rowing and the practice of rowing in different parts of the world. When I started, there were 67 national federations. Now there are 142. So it lightweight rowing, in a sense, it, it did open it up to a lot of people who for, who wouldn't really have seen rowing as a sport that they could participate in. Um, because like we said, the, the heavyweight is an open weight, but you pro- you do have to be bigger to to succeed in it and to to um to do well in it so it is some it is a sad day in that sense just for rowing in general um and um there was um is britain's mark hunter he won olympic gold in 2008 he was a lightweight double i think he won silver in 2012 as well i can't remember quite i can't quite remember but he also said that while 
not everyone goes to the Olympics to win a gold medal. The lightweight rowing meant the participation of people who aren't giants who can go to the Olympics and represent their country. So it is kind of, I guess that kind of leads into the the kind of medal argument then. Obviously, we're blessed with medals in, in West Cork from um Skibbereen rowers and, and Irish rowers have, have done brilliantly in the lightweight. So it is it is sad as well in that sense. A hundred percent. Um it's just been a if if you look at the last two Olympics in Rio and in Tokyo, even just from a fan point of view, the sheer joy that the, the, the lightweight rowers have given Irish Irish people, this nation, this country, not alone Skip put Skibreen and West Cork on, on the map, but um think back to the, almost the euphoria when Gary and Paul burst on the scene in, in in 2016. Like it was Gary and Paul mania, like it was absolutely incredible. And they were lightweight rowers. And just think back to Tokyo, and I know Tokyo was a kind of different Olympics because of COVID and all that. But what Fintan McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan did by winning that Olympic gold and what the lightweights have done as well for Irish rowing, they've raised the ceiling because before they came along to win the medals and do what, what, what they did, Irish rowers had never won um, Olympic medals. So the lightweights have shown what is possible and they really have opened the door. And it's it's quite a successful time for, for rowing Ireland. Now, it's worth pointing out that at Tokyo two years ago, the Irish women's four, which is a heavyweight boat and has Emily Hegarty from Skibbon it, they also won an Olympic medal um, the, the the first ever women to, Irish rowing women to win an Olympic medal they won bronze in in there so over the last couple of years you've seen that kind of shift towards the kind of that open weight heavyweight because we knew this news was coming you know it's it's not a shock it's not a surprise like we said earlier Dylan it still is disappointing because on until it's confirmed there's always like oh I hope I just hope that they leave it there and I suppose we're very biased here in, in the Star West Cork because. We're just so blessed to have these incredible athletes just out the road from our from our office. Like the best rowers in the world are literally a three minute drive from from the Southern Star office. Like that's how close they are. And these are are locals that that walk amongst us and they'll they'll pop into fields for their shopping, you know, or they'll they'll go forever for their lunch and pop into the West Cork Hotel. Like they're they're local people doing extraordinary things at an international level, and they're all lightweight rowers. And now, post Paris, that that that, that that's. That's going to be gone. And I was when I was chatting to Fintan at the weekend, I was saying, like, is there is there danger now for lightweight rowing? Because we only had one Olympic class lightweight boat, and that was the, the lightweight double for, for men and women. Um, let's say the lightweight single skull, that wasn't an Olympic class boat. You could still race it at the World Rowing Championships and so on, but it wasn't an Olympic class boat. And the Olympics, as we know, are like the pinnacle for, for sports people. So like I was just kind of having a chat, like is, is there danger now for lightweight rowing that that youngsters on the way up, they won't see that Olympic outlet, you know, kind of if you're not six foot four, six foot five, and so on, is there that um is there that draw now kind of before like when Finton started, like there was a dream of, of getting to the Olympics. But if you're a, a naturally smaller athlete now who loves rowing, is it going to become tougher? You know, and yeah. it, it probably is. Um I just think back to a couple of years ago where Shane O'Driscoll and Marco Donovan, they were two lightweight rowers um in the in the, the men's pair who did so so well, world champions, but they decided to swap to to try their hand at heavyweight rowing. And it didn't go too well, to be quite honest, because they're it's 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 a fine balance, you know. You have to increase your muscle mass, your power, your output to compete with these these bigger athletes, but you're you're naturally not that big, like you're Vinton McCarthy's not going to grow 10 centimetres in the next yes. in the next months to all of a sudden to kind of 
walk up beside these natural heavyweights and kind of stand toe to toe with them. That's not going to happen. So it's going to be interesting post Paris. But I think now, like he said, he's focused now was really on on on, on Paris games itself. It alters nothing in terms of their preparation because their goal is still the same. But there will have to be conversations, Dennis, and what way they're going to go after. Yeah, completely. And just just before we move on as well, I guess like one of the other things to take into consideration as well is the fact that a lot of uh, the investment in Olympic sports is in, or sorry, in sports is in Olympic sports and uh, a lot of investment gets put in. You see like um in countries like in, in the UK now, like they'll, they'll pump loads of money into swimming because they think they have great chances at winning Olympic medals in swimming. So if suddenly a certain class of a sport doesn't have an Olympic goal, let's say, even though there'll still be there'll still be the World Cup, there'll still be other other competitions for lightweight rowing. But maybe the we we might start seeing the investment kind of drop away as well. So that's another thing to to take into consideration as well. Because it's not the Olympics. Like the Olympics is the when it rolls around um every four years, it's the biggest the biggest show that year, the biggest sporting show. And you're guaranteed Paris next year. Like it's a it's almost a home Olympics for for us here. Like it's so close. It's just across the water. We saw at the Rugby World Cup how many Irish fans were able to make the trip weekend after weekend. And we're going to have the Olympics just just across the water from us in one sense. And like there's going to be a mass skibbereen exodus. And I meet people on the street and they're already talking about about Paris next summer. So it's it's going to be an incredible Olympics. Um, and you'll have there'll be such interest in it again in Skib and again for in in West Cork next next summer because we have locals who are competing at that level um but, but now it's kind of what's going to happen after we will we'll just have to wait and see but hopefully they'll go out in a blaze of glory next 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 summer then. yeah absolutely all the roads lead to paris and uh, make sure to pick up a copy of this thursday star as well for that interview with fintan mccarthy as well now kieran this saturday at Five o'clock, Parky Cueve will bear witness to a West Cork derby as Newcestown and Donnie's go head to head in a bid to bring the Kevin McTurnan Cup back west for the winter. And Karen, let's start with Donnie's because I reckon they are like greyhounds just waiting to fly out the trap and make their mark on the final. Like they've had a long time to wait for this. They had a quarter final by, there was a four week wait before their semi final win over Knock Degree. That was October 7th. We're recording today on November 7th, so that's a month. And by the time the game comes around, it will have been five weeks since that last game. So they'll be raring to go, won't they? Oh, they, like you said, they're greyhound. Like that greyhound energy is just just brilliant because they'll be wanting to race out of the traps. They're, they just want to play this game. So this game has been put back um, because of the, the success of the Newstown hurlers getting to the senior hurling final. Then that went to the first game into a replay. And then the county board decided to put on the replay of the hurling final and that pushed pushed back the, the football final again. But we're finally going to get there. Saturday evening, Parky Cueve, Donnie's against Newcastle. What a game for, for West Cork football fans because we're guaranteed the county title is going to come, come west on, on, on Saturday night. Where it's going to go, we don't know. Like I said, their Donnie's will be will be just so eager to get on the pitch and play a game of football. Um, I suppose the challenge for Declan O'Dwyer, the manager in the last couple of weeks, is just to keep it ticking over. You know, that's they've just been waiting and waiting and waiting. Whereas on one hand, Newcastown as a dual club, those the, the footballers have been focused on hurling. So they, they've been playing championship games. So they're in terms of match fitness, championship fitness, they'll be they'll be right there. 
you know, could, I know they have after a really long season in, in both codes, um, but they do some players left to kind of go to the well one more time. Whereas Donnie's are just like they're like they'll be like an uncoiled spring. They'll really want to hit the ground yeah. running at the at the in the in the opening minutes and um because they just want to play this football game. And it's such a big occasion for for Dunmanway. I was driving through the town yesterday evening and the, the bunting is out there. Nearly every business has uh, the green and white flags hang, hanging off it. You know, the town is just draped in, in green and white because this could be a really, really big occasion, a really huge win for Donnie's if they can pull it up on, on Saturday night. They have been the form team in, in this year's championship. They won all their group games, including beating Newcastle by a point in their opener. Then they got to their... Their semi-final, they got a boy direct to the semi-final and they beat a good knock degree team, 119 to 212. You factor in their win against Island Rovers and Bishopstown as well in the group stage. Like they've they've won all their games. Go back to the county league earlier in the year, they won division three of the county league as well. So it's been a really, really good season for the or the Wires men. And the, the question is, can they make it the best season yet? Yeah, and uh, I'd say the anticipation must be off the scales in Dunmanway. Like you're saying, I open to correction here, but I don't think they've reached a county final since 2006, and they haven't won an adult county title since 1995. So, like, it's a long time coming. I know I could be completely incorrect there, but um, it's a long time coming. And especially when you think back, I want to maybe think back to that game between... Donnie's and Newcestown at the start of the 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 campaign, July 29th that was, and Holly O'Sullivan was writing in the Southern Star in the build up to this game a couple of weeks ago, saying that that was and like an arm wrestle, but I imagine that the game this weekend will be a lot more open, um, and you can see both teams really going for it. It could, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how this game plays out. You'd be thinking that the. The park at Creeves, that big open pitch will suit Donnie's. They're fast, you know. Look at their 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 full forward line, the likes of Fionn Hurley, Keith White, Mark Buckley, like those fellas are just I said about the word uncoiled earlier, like they'll be they'll be raring for road, like you know, kind of they could they could eat up a pitch like Parky Creeves. So Newstown will be wary of giving Donnie's too much too much room, you know. They, they really will mm-hmm. because that that Donnie's full forward line has the potential to to wreak havoc if they can get the, the supply of ball and they're like they're they're just a lethal full forward line and they're all they're fast zippy players who who know where the who know where for the poster and know where for the goal the goal is as well um but just to touch on something you said there almost to give the historical context for for our our listeners um we even interview a few interviews actually in this Thursday Southern Star and um Tom Lyons had a chat with Mick Farr who um, he describes as the godfather of Donny's GA, And this is what McFarr said. He goes, believe it or not, when Donny's won the senior league this season, it was the first county board senior title in league or championship since the great county win back in 1897. We have won second, some secondary competitions, but never championship or league. This team on Sunday will really make history if they win the senior A championship. It's a great incentive. And also, Donny's have won titles on the way up, kind of um, county championship titles. But this this would be the kind of the icing on top of the cake for for yeah. Donnie's if, if 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 they can do it that's that's the big thing. But on the other side, then you've a new town team just after winning a county senior hurling title, who've played two county hurling finals in Parky Creeve in the last couple of weeks, and who are also chasing a really unique double to win the senior A 
in hurling and football in the one season would be incredible. It would be off the charts for Newcastle. So as much as Donnie's are chasing a bit of history, the incentive for Newcastle is huge as well. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there. I was going to say like the fact that they are chasing this unique double is one thing, but also the fact that they they will be on cloud nine after beating Blarney in the, the hurling final. And that was a, a, a brilliant game and, and lots of... Um, players involved and that day will obviously be involved this weekend as well so for Newcestown what what would their mindset be like going into this game would they be bullish because I know they were bullish going into the, the hurling final they, they're very confident in their ability and we talk a lot about the Newcestown spirit but they're very talented as well yeah and it's, it's not too long ago it's only last season that Newcestown were up at Prindra senior level they were relegated so they have operated at that higher level over the last couple of years um, and they have some really good footballers too. They're actually captained by Luke Mead, which I always find interesting because he's the Cork senior hurler who's captaining the Newcastle footballers. You know, I think there's a there's potentially a, a great story in in that. Um, he, he tells us in, in Thursday's Southern Star that there's there's more pressure on him when he's playing with the hurlers, the Newstone hurlers, obviously, because he is their talismanic figure. Um, but with the footballers, the pressure isn't there as much. But this could be an incredible, an incredible weekend for Newcastle if they can win the senior A football final, complete the double, and go back up to the premier senior football level as well. If they achieve that, they'll be a rural dual club playing premier senior hurling and premier senior football in 2024. That's just incredible. Like, you know, so. You can see that whatever happens on, on Saturday evening Parky Creeve, like the, the 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 headlines write themselves, but there's yeah. such great incentives for, for for both clubs. And here in West Cork, like I said earlier, we know like the winner's going to come from West Cork. Like who it's going to be, Jesus. I hope you're not going to ask me that question because I'm, I'm not going to put my but my I wouldn't even say my reputation, put my, my name on the line because it's just it's such a hard one to call. Like go back to that first game, nine points to eight, one point in it. And here we are now, a couple of months later, the same two teams again who know each other so well and a great rivalry and history um, between these these two clubs as well. It's just all set up. I, I just really hope that the match kind of um, lives up to the build-up that, 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 that we've had the last week or so. Yeah, hopefully the weather is good as well. And we'll, uh, we'll stay diplomatic and say it'll be great for West Cork no matter the result. That game, like I said, is on this Saturday in Parky Cueve at 5pm. It's also on Rebels Online for anyone who can't make it up to the city this weekend. Look, Kieran, let's move on. And you've been chatting to David O'Sullivan, like I mentioned at the start of the show. He's the captain of the Barry Row team who recently won their first ever Carberry Junior A football title. And we had the Mick McCarthy Cup on the podcast last week and we have the man who lifted the cup on the podcast this week. And... I presume he's in great form speaking to you today. Yeah, it's great to catch up with Dave O'Sullivan. Um, the first Barry Row men ever to lift the Mick McCarthy Cup. They, they won their, the club won their first ever Carby Junior Football Championship just the weekend before last. An incredible moment for, for the club. It's, it's it's a piece of history. And this this moment will bind together this this group of footballers, this group of men for their for, for the for the rest of their lives, really. You know, it's a unique achievement that they all shared. So it was nice to catch up with with Dave, just to have a chat about their championship campaign, their championship run, what the difference was between this season and last season, the final itself. And for someone like Dave, who has suffered through the harder years, 
to be there to lift the cup for the first time for for Barry Road, like that was a very special moment for him. Like he's thirty two years of age now. He started playing with Barry Road, the adult team, I think when he was 16. He's only missed one season since he went to Canada just before COVID. And um, he missed that season as far as I know, but he, he was backed in for the start of the 2021 season. So a really special, a really special moment for him. The the county series didn't go too well for Barry Road to begin, just gone. They lost to Castle Magnor in the in the county quarterfinal. And and while that was disappointing, maybe it's not too surprising because it was just a week after winning the the first ever Carberry and obviously they had the celebrations but even the physical toll and the emotional toll of the weeks before it um I'm, I'm just presuming in a sense like that must have taken some um some effect on him and they're also missing uh, uh, uh Robbie Kiley didn't start the game and he's a central figure to to them as well but um it was also good to catch up with Dave Dylan because like myself he's a Man United fan you know and, and Man United fans were kind of we're kind of we're just drawn together almost through the misery of it at the moment because it's just so such a hard watch. But as you hear from Dave now, he's a Man United fan who's had the, the brilliant distraction of Captain and Barry Road to history in the, the last couple of weeks. So maybe he just he just hasn't seen how bad the football is across at Old Trafford in 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 recent times. But um because he's been celebrating his own success and watching a really good Barry Road football team in action. What a year to be captain of the Barry Row Footballers Day. If you you led them to the historic first ever Carberry Junior A football championship. But take it back to the start of the season. What was the goal and target heading into 2023? Uh thanks for having me, Kieran. Um, I suppose at the start of the year we didn't want to get too carried away. Um, the year before was a little bit disappointing for us. So I think we set our stall out and said at the start, let's just get out of the group because we didn't even get to do that uh, the year before. Um, and then from there, we just wanted to take it game by game. Um, I suppose as a player and as a group, you kind of think, okay, maybe we're in with a shout. But yeah, funnily enough, at the start of the year, we were just saying, let's just get out of the group. Um, you know, there was some tough teams in there as well. I know Banaline had lost a couple. Um, Columns was a really tough game as well. So, And I think it's an important lesson we did learn is that you can't take anything for granted in, in West Cork. Like every game is is a battle really, so... Yeah, for us, we set out our stall by just saying we'll get out of the group and see where we go from there. I was looking at the key here. He topped the group with Columns, Marys and Clan. And a uh, very good win against Marys the first day out, 313 to 16. Then he overpowered um, Clan 318 to 17. So even I remember back then when like a championship was sitting in its early stages, Dave, but already people were saying, Jesus, there's something about this Barry Road team. You're putting up big scores. And then, then you got over Columns in the last round to, to top your group. And was there any point in the group stage where you were thinking to yourself, okay, we're, we're kind of onto something here that this team has potential to really go deep in the competition? Um, yeah, like you always have it in the back of your mind. Like even the year before, we had a great win against Cora um, out in, um, out in, I think, Balnacarga. Like, so I always have faith in the lads. And the great thing about the lads that we have is that they've been winning stuff all underage. Like they're, they're not like me where they've been taking beatings for years and years and they're old and withered now at this stage they have great belief in themselves and, and they're really talented as well so I think quietly in the back of your mind you're saying yeah maybe we have something a bit special here but um, as we said at the start of the year we didn't want to get too carried away and we just wanted to take it game by game but I do think that Columns game definitely was um, a springboard for us because it was a game where it was kind of in between hurling as well and maybe lads were a little bit tired but we still found a way 
to win it and we've won it by fellas coming off the bench. I remember Mark Crawley came on and he was outstanding. That was, I think, the first game he played for us. Don Buckley came on after two very good games previous to that and kicked the winning score. So for us as a group, seeing fellas come on and contributing that we're not just a 15, we have at least 25 more who could actually come on and play. Um, that's really, I think, that was a big turning point for us that we couldn't, I started thinking to myself that, yeah, Joe, maybe we could go a bit further. We actually touched on a great point there as well, Dave, that the success underage of Iben, look at look at last season with the under-21 Carberry hurling and football, I think both finals won by a point, even the, the those championship runs in both codes, like they were so tight. So you have these young fellas coming onto the, the adult team who know how to win championships, who know how to win tight games, and are obviously very good as well. So did that influx of youth really kind of, I suppose, freshen up this, the, the Barry Row team? Oh, massively, yeah. And it, it was it was needed as well. Like, we had a lot of fellas that kind of left. Um, like, like I can take it back to years ago. When I started playing with the lads that won the county in, I think, 2006 or 2007, I remember when they all kind of left roughly the same time because they were all roughly the same age. And we were just left with a, a bare bones of a team and it was just a matter of, of keeping things going. But then you, I saw the opposite side of that when I came back from Canada and that I come back and... You know, you'd know the names, like, but I wouldn't see them a lot because I'm up in Cork. Like, and I land into training for the first time and I look around and I, I know maybe like four or five people and there's about 20 others I don't have a clue who they are. And then you kind of get to know them and then you start looking at them training. You think, oh, these, these lads are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it definitely helps. Like, And definitely in the Kilmacabee, in all the tight games we had, you can see that these lads aren't learning how to win. They've done it before. Um, like even like fellas like Dermot McCarthy, you know, he came on. Like he's he's only just finished the leaving sort and he comes on and he plays with great composure. Tomas, uh, Buckley, the way he comes on, he plays with great composure as well. Um, definitely, I think the Ibean Gales has helped Barry Rowe and even if you look at Tim League as well, they've had some some good run, runs in the hurling recently. They got to a West Cork finals themselves the year before. So yeah, definitely the Ibean Gales, I think has helped um, over the last couple of years, definitely. If you touched it too there, Dave, you've seen both sides of the coin. You've seen the lean years, you know, kind of how, how tough it's been for, for Barry Row. Now you've been captain in this most memorable year that the Barry Row footballers have had. So how can you contrast the two in terms of where Barry Row football has come from, considering how, how tough it was a couple of years back? Uh, it, it was difficult, like, but it wasn't for, for lack of trying, like... Um... And I, I think it's an important to note as well. There's a lot of talk from people saying that, oh, there were lean years and they were difficult. But like there's people like I would say, Brendan Coleman, that kind of kept the show going there for a couple of years and it was very lean. Um, I was actually only thinking about it the other day. I can remember more hurling games over the last 15 years than football games. There's There doesn't seem to be very memorable. For me anyway, there wasn't many memorable ones in the lean years. Uh, we had some good results in hurling and not many in football, to be brutally honest. Um, but I think that was just the direction of the lads we had coming through at that time. Uh, when I when I first joined the team there years ago, they were mostly hurling. Um, they they preferred hurling. That was just the way it was. And then as these fellas came in, you just start seeing the shift again. That, um, these guys are actually good at both and they like playing both and they love playing both. Um, but yeah, those lean years were, were very difficult. And funnily enough, I don't remember much of it. And it's probably better. I don't remember much of it, to be honest. <laughs> I think you're going to remember a lot from this season, a lot of memorable games. So I'm going to take you into the, the knockout stages. Um, quarterfinal, semi-final, final, all went to extra time. But each time, Barry Rowe jumped that final hurl um, to get past 
of course, Castlehaven won eight to eight points in the quarter final. Then against Badnescarte, um, turned it on in extra time, one five, ten to one eleven, and we get to the to the final against Kilmacky quite soon. But talk to me about the the quarters and and the and the, and the semi. Was the belief in, in the the camp and the group growing all the time, like the closer you were getting to the final? Definitely, yeah, and I think even just to mention the orders as well. Um, I was only speaking to a couple of lads there after we won. Like, I think the lads started getting the belief actually from the hurling. Um, when they beat Ballygarvan in the dying deaths of the game, Adam McSweeney scored a great goal to do it. And I think from there on, lads kind of started believing a bit more that like we can we can push on and we can nearly achieve anything if we put our minds to it. Um, but yeah, when we go to extra time, I don't know what it is. Is it just our that we've young legs or? I think it's a bit of that, and I think it's we have a bit, we have that experience from winning as well. Like it's not just the young lads. Like Robbie has, been, like our in midfield has won loads. Like Garrod Holland has won has been a very successful player underage as well. Um, it's just that kind of experience and the way that we played in extra time as well. I do find that when we went into extra time, we were never cagey. Like we just kept doing what we were doing, and I think that was a big part of it as well. Um, especially the Castlehaven game, um, that day out in Ardfield was it was it was a rotten day to be honest. Like it was like the rain and the wind and everything, but we kept playing the same way. And um, and then once again, as I mentioned earlier, I remember Brian Donovan came on and he kicked a big score. Uh, I remember Mark Crowley actually came on and set up the goal as well. Um, yeah, so I think I think the key to it really was we just kept doing what we were doing, and uh, we had the legs then to just drive on and, and play at a higher level then an extra time. And, and then you got through to the final against Kilmacky, a team that knows how to win the Mick McCarthy Cup. I think it was a three wins in four years there, not too long ago. So what was it, what was it like to build up that week of the final, knowing Friday night to Manway under Friday night lights, the biggest junior football game in West Cork every year that Barry Rowe were there against a, a seasoned um, left side. So what was the what was that week like for you, Dave? Um, I suppose on a personal level, I, I, I was... Um... I was only thinking about there today. I was a bit, I was nervous, I won't lie, but I was still confident in the lads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I kind of mentioned that to them on Thursday that we have reasons to be confident. We've been there for, we've been together for two or three years now. We've really good players. We have, we have good backs. We have strong forwards. Um, but the build-up itself was, I think, relatively calm. Fellas were fairly relaxed, considering. Um, I think I, I was actually speaking to Sean, your, your colleague there, and um, we were talking amongst ourselves and we were even saying that even having that extra time against Bal where we actually went into fifth gear and we actually scored all those goals probably gave us a bit more belief than if we just won normal time by a point. I think actually going on that extra 20 minutes and, and actually scoring all those goals gave us more confidence. But yeah, funnily enough, like I might have been a bag of nerves, but everyone else seemed okay. Um, it was fairly relaxed. We had two good training sessions um, and we just had a, some chats amongst ourselves just just to stay calm and trust the process. And um, so, yeah, like I, I was a bag of nerves, but everyone else seemed to be okay, which is, which was, I was, I was delighted with. And what a West Cork final then in Dunmanway. It was, it was an epic. And again, it went to extra time and very well came out by point one twelve to 14. But what are your memories of the game itself? What stands out for you? Like apart from obviously the final whistle and the celebrations, but is there any moment in that game that you just, it instantly comes into your mind? Uh, oh, I suppose in the in Brian's goal, definitely. Anyway, that was a great goal. Um, he the, his growth anyway in the last year from being just a good scorer to being an all round player has been great to see this year. 
and um, he scored a, a great goal linking up with, again with your colleague Sean. He he loves mentioning his assists, so I'll, I'll mention that. Um, that was the that was probably what kind of got us over the line. And then an extra time, um, I'd gone off towards the end of normal time and seeing the lads come on as we were saying. Um, and I think that's a big growth for our team as well, that fellas have bought into playing roles and have understood that just because you don't have one to 15 on your back, that doesn't really matter. What matters is when you come on and what you do. And the two scores we did get an extra time, uh, Sweeney's point, which it seemed to hang in the air for about four or five minutes. I didn't think it was ever going to come down, and uh, but went over the black spot. And then Brian coming on and getting that score as well. Um, to me, like as a captain, you can talk all the time about like Phil is playing the role and and understanding and playing for the team. But then seeing Phil is come on and deliver and actually play the role and command it for the team, that's what was special to me. So I suppose the two moments for me were uh, Ryan's goal and then seeing those two points in extra time from fellas who actually came on and actually made the difference. Um, but I suppose just to mention as well, Damien Gore, watching Damien, trying to stop Damien Gore as well was... Next to impossible, he was absolutely outstanding. And it's worth to mention is that as good as Ryan was, on the other end, Damon, Damon Gore was incredible as well. What, right, he was incredible. Like he got 11 out of uh, Lips, 14 points. Like he's he's some footballer. Ah, he's incredible. He's, he's, he's an incredible player. And um, yeah, I think himself and Ryan really put on a show for, for, the, for the people that were there. Like just some of the scores that were kicking were outrageous. And as a defender, you just have to just shrug your shoulders and just say, just, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Like... <laughs> beat a team like Quebec, like I said, like they know how to win the Vic McCarthy Cup and to beat a team that has the likes of Damien Gore, Cork Senior in it, it shows how far this Barry Road team has come in the, the last couple of years. So just take me back to those seconds after the final whistle went when Barry Road wore Harvey Junior A football champions for the first time. Like kind of what's what's what are those seconds and minutes like? Uh oh, I suppose for myself. I, I... I couldn't control myself. I just started bawling, crying. Like uh, you just get that all emotion, and like it was funny enough. Like I was probably I was a bit nervous going to the final, but I was even more nervous going into the, the Banlaskarty game because, like, I never had that opportunity to play in a West Cork final, and then to actually get over the line that was a big relief. But when the whistle blew, it was just it was just pure emotion. You could just see how happy everyone was. Like everyone was jumping and cheering. I think I might have been the only fellow that was. That was crying, but everyone else was cheering. It was just special because you you just see like all these young fellas that you know that have been, they haven't been there as long as you, and they're just so joyous. But then you look over your shoulder and you see fellas like like Harold Holland, who's been there for me with years. I've been playing with him since I was ten or eleven. Fellas like Jerome, I've been playing with for years. Pa, who've been through really tough days, difficult days. Um, like Alan Coyle, you know, another fellow with a with a bad knee injury, but. Um, he still stayed around the panel and, and helped Holland um, train him in goal, just seeing the joy in all their faces. And then you look into the crowd and you see kind of your family and you see friends and um, and you just see them all being happy as well. It's it's something that as long as I've been around the Barry Row, I never got to, I've never experienced that side of it really with Barry Row. There's been the odd good championship win that was good, like, but just to see the joy in everyone's face, like your teammates and the selectors and everything, um, it's special, like, and I don't, I'll never forget it, to be honest. And the, the nice thing was, too, Dave, it fell on the Friday night of a bank holiday weekend, so I presume the, the celebrations went deep and hard into that weekend? Um, well, yeah, so the first two days, yeah, but, like, what's great about this group as well is that it didn't go on ridiculously long either. We did try 
our best to try and get up for that um county quarter final like like i remember on on friday or on the saturday like i, I was having a great time but like just speaking to a lot of the younger lads they were saying we want to push on we want to improve and we want to give the county a, a rattle and look it, it didn't happen for us these things happen but that's that was a big takeaway from that weekend is that obviously we we had fun and we enjoyed ourselves and we went around Barry Road and, and we toured the, the various pubs but lads were motivated to try and go back and win the county and, and that's a great sign for us going to next year that fellas are motivated and that they want to go further and uh, hopefully we can do that again next year. I think that county quarterfinal just came almost a week too soon for you like you played the West Cork final on a Friday night and then the following weekend you're out in a in the county quarterfinal, like we said earlier, coming off the back of three extra time knockout games on the way to winning West Cork, so physically draining, probably the, the emotional, uh, the emotion of winning the first West Cork, and then to go straight into a new championship um, in the county series. Did, did you feel that was one of the reasons where it just didn't work out in, in McCroom that day? Um, no, I look, I I try not to be a fella that would blame like boards or divisions or anything like that. Like they have a very difficult job and. You know they did, they did a difficult job last year, like so. I I don't want to go out of my way to, to criticize anyone, but yeah, maybe the the emotion of it played a small bit. But I just think on the day, Casa Magna were better than us, um, and that's something that we'll have to use going forward. That um, you know, when we get out of West Cork, maybe the football is a little bit more different, um, and you know, if we do get out of West Cork again next year, which we'll be hoping to do, um, that we'll be a bit more tuned into that, but. Um, no, I just think on the day, we might have been a little tired, but I think on the day, Castle Magna were, beat, were better than us. Um, it would have been nice to have had an extra week to prepare, but no, life isn't perfect. You just have to get on with it at some point. Do you feel as well, Dave, the fact that Barry Rowe have now won your first West Cork Junior A, that it's like it's pressure release, it's monkey off the back, as in now that this team can even improve anymore? Like, can you see areas where you're thinking, oh, yeah, this, this, could, this could just be the start of where this team could eventually end up? Hundred percent, yeah. Um, like I suppose it's a relief for me on a different side to the younger fellas, because for me it's finally I have something to to hang up on the wall. I have some picture to put up on the wall for all the years I've been playing. Um, but for these lads, it's it it it, it can be a starting point. Like just say for example, Kilmacabee, like they were in I think eight finals in in how many years or whatever. Like, um, they had to start somewhere. Like so, of course they'll use it as a kick on. Um, and even on the hurling side of it as well, like to get to a county semi-final was was a huge for them as well. So yeah, I think the sky's the limit for the lads as long as long as they stay around. Like I, I think there was a not there was pressure on the lads, but I suppose there was always talk about how good all these fellas were. But you have to remember that for the majority of them are still under twenty one, mm-hmm. um, which to me is absolutely mental. Like there's they're they're so good and they're so experienced and they're so calm. And for the most part, most of them will be playing under twenty one again. Um, so yeah, I think it'd definitely be a stepping stone. Uh, but the main thing is is that we make sure it's a stepping stone and fellas don't get carried away. Um, and that's what the next preseason will be. We'll be just trying to focus the lads and going again in, in both hurling and football. And you feel too that like it's probably over the winter where the magnitude of what you've achieved will will sink in because you've been straight from winning a West Cork into a county game. But now with the with the season over, it like you've the chance to reflect on on the campaign and what this group has achieved and almost the bond that this group has created because this will bind you together forever in the in the annals of Barry Road GA history. Like it's a like what, what he achieved had never been done before. So do you think it's kind of over the winter coming into Christmas and so on that lads will just kind of just take that step back and say, Jesus, what a what a what a season. 
I think even it might take even for me, like, yeah, it'll take a couple of weeks, but I think for the lads, because they've been so successful, it might take them a couple of years. Like, um, like even just a small thing, I, I we were in Grange there after we won the match. Like, and you see the, the pictures of the walls, they have lots of pictures of teams that have won the past. And you're just thinking, nope, I'll be up there someday, um, which is something I probably wouldn't, when I went away to Canada, it's probably something I wouldn't have thought about ever happening. Um, so yeah, definitely, it'll take a bit of time for the process that we're the first, it's the first Bayro team ever, because in partly it's kind of hard to believe it's the first time Bayro have ever won one. Um, but like, it, yeah, it maybe it could be the dinner dance, maybe when people, when we have a dinner dance and people kind of reflect on these kind of things and we hear a few speeches, but yeah, I think it'll take a little bit of time for it to fully sink in, um, that it's the first time ever. But um, yeah, the, even like the write-up in the star was like the way that it was written up like that, that um, kind of made you reflect on how big a deal it was. But um, yeah, hopefully over the winter now, fellas will understand what it really meant and uh, they'll use it as motivation to go into next season now again. And finally, like myself, you were suffering Man United fans. So the fact that Barry Rowe were going so well for so long, did it take your mind and attention off just how bad things are at Old Trafford at the moment? Between, there were some tough years there where we had... Uh, Louis Van Hal's boring football and Mourinho's boring football and then we were watching some of the bad football for, for the Irish football team and then my 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 only rest was to pack up the gear bag and, and go play with Barry Rowe and then not have much more success so it was it was misery 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 there for a while no matter what sport I looked at and so at one point I started watching basketball because things were getting so tough but um, do you know what Barry Rowe turned it around and hopefully um, Ten Hag will do it as well Hopefully Barry Rowe can send across some of that winning feeling to Old Trafford and, and, and turn things around there. But Dave, yeah. you've been so, so kind with your time. Congratulations on such an, an incredible season with Barry Rowe and um, in, enjoy the Christmas and no doubt you will. Cheers, Karen. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And now it's time for us to take a look ahead at this week's Southern Star. Kieran, I'm sure there's plenty for Donnie's and Newcastown fans to look forward to in this week's edition. Yeah, we've big build up to the big match this weekend. So we've three pages of, of coverage there, news from board camps. And um, Tom Lyons also takes a historical look at the rivalry between Donnie's and Newcastown going back to the very start. So that's a really enjoyable piece by Tom Lyons and well worth checking out. It's a really busy Star Sports section for, for what we are now, the second week of November. So looking at some of the highlights, um, we've got an interview with Mark Collins, the Castle Haven captain, because Haven are out against Cratlow in a quarterfinal of the Munster Junior Club, the Munster, sorry, Senior Club Football Championship this Sunday. And we also have an interview with John Evans, the Kilimatra manager, because Kilimatra are in Munster Club action as well this weekend. There was a lot of Junior A, Junior B county footballing hurling games on the weekend just gone a disappointing weekend for for many the clan hurlers were hammered by, by Ballinora like we said earlier Barry Rowe lost to Castle Magnor Bantry Blues lost in the Junior B hurling but in Junior B football both Garnish and Goline won their quarterfinals and they meet this Sunday in Bantry in an all West Cork County semi-final so we have match reports from both of our quarterfinals in Torres Day Star also a huge weekend for the O'Donovan Russell ladies football team they're in a Munster Junior A 
um, football final action this weekend and um, taking on Clown Mac and my van of Kerry. So I have an interview with the manager, James O'Donovan, where we also have a very fun Q&A with O'Donovan Ross's Cork star, Laura O'Mahony, where we've asked her the questions that really do matter. And I'll give you one example, Dylan. We say to Laura that we need two of her teammates to make up a women's 4 by 100 meter relay team to go alongside Phil Healy and Joan Healy. So who <laughs> Laura pick? And I'm not going to give away the answers. And she also tells us which teammate she'd bring to a desert island with her. If it was the injury time at the Munster final, give her two points down and they win a penalty, who would take that penalty? You'll have to see Thursday Southern start to see who Laura picked. So loads there for Donovan Ross offence because we also have big coverage of their recent um, 30th anniversary celebrations of the, the, the Skib Mints team that won the All-Ireland Senior Club title back in 1993. Still the greatest ever achievement of a Carberry GA football team. Also, the Camogie All-Stars were on the weekend and Libby Coppinger and Saoirse McCarthy both won All-Stars. So that's more um, silverware coming back into the region. We also have a lot of the usual stuff from the rugby, the road bowling, soccer, school by school, girls soccer, motorsport. So there really is something there for everyone. Loads there and elsewhere outside of sport, Kieran. I know you don't like to think about it, but we have a Wild West Cork supplement in this week's Southern Star as well. So it's great for any kids in the family. There's a wildlife poster in there. We go through lots of West Cork wildlife. And readers can also start and, and enter a competition to win a thousand euro in cash. We're giving away a thousand euro over the course of this month as well. You have to pick up a copy of the Southern Star to see how to enter that competition as well. And as always, if you're further afield or you can't make it to the shops, you can subscribe to the Southern Star and get it on your laptop, tablet or phone. That might be a good one for any Barry Rowe fans, Castlehaven fans, Newcastle fans who didn't pick up a copy of last week's Southern Star because if you subscribe, you can get last week's on your laptop, tablet or phone and you can relive the final winning memories there. So just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie Enter your details and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than two euro per week. As always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you've enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.